Welcome, congregation of First Baptist Church of China Grove. We're so glad that you're listening in today. Some of you will be attending the drive-in service we're having. We have a transmitter we'll be transmitting into the vehicles for people's safety and performing a service. So we're excited about getting actually meeting together and getting back together, and uh, at least in the beginning. This has been a very trying time. Uh, I hope that the barbershops are, are able to open soon, or I might start looking like an aging rock star. Uh, I was interested in one of the parents who was questioned, trying to explain to her child why they were not having school. And she said, honey, do you know why we're not having school? And the little girl said, is it because we don't have toilet paper? So... Trying to find a little humor in, in the midst of this terrible tragedy, and there is some. There's always a silver lining. And we know the people who have gone on in the Lord have went before us into glory, and we're thankful for that. We're sorry for all those who have passed. And as I shared with you all, I had a dear friend. We have a lot of needs in our congregation, and there are people battling cancer. There are people with relatives that are sick. There are people battling all kinds of problems in their lives. And I'd like to open this morning with just a, a word of prayer and thanks to the Lord. Lord, we come before you. We bring our requests and our burdens, and we lay them at the throne of grace. We know that's the place for them because you said, Come to me in a time of need, and I will give you help and send grace to be that help. And Lord, we plead for your grace today. We don't, do not know, need what we deserve, but rather, Lord, what we request. We ask for mercy, healing, provision for those many who are looking at lost work, lost wages, lost money. Lord, we pray for all of these today and lift them up to your throne of grace, whatever burdens they may be. And Lord, we give you thanks because of who you are. We know that you're here with us. We know that you're there in heaven answering prayer. And that, Lord, you will bring God's people through this. And this, we give you great thanks. And we praise you in the blessed, holy name of Jesus. Amen. Throughout this time of this coronavirus thing... I started a series of messages because I thought, what do people need? And it, they were designed to reinvigorate the church, to build us up, hopefully to energize our church. It was my prayer that we have done so. I've spoken about finding a new freshness in Jesus Christ, in your walk with Him. Rejoicing through all of this that our name is written in heaven. And how sometimes even God may operate in a way that may disappoint us personally, but he has his purposes and will to accomplish. This has really been my goal all along here for the people of First Baptist. And I, my prayer and hope is when we come back together, we're going to come back together energized, unified, and ready to work. And this is my prayer and hope for all of you. And for us collectively. Well, we look at Second Timothy 
chapter 1 this morning, and I want to begin reading in verse 9. This is talking about our salvation. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But it's now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And finally, in verse 12, For the which cause I suffer these things, nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day, or until that day. So folks, there's a lot here. He saved us, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. He has abolished death. There is no death for the believer. And finally, he ends with this statement, and it's talking about assurance here. Who knows what assurance is? Assurance is being assured of your salvation. Being assured in God. I remember as a new believer, this was a question of mine. Would, once I was saved, would I remain saved? Would I always be saved? Uh, and this was answered quite clearly through two instances that happened in my life. One, I went to the Billy Graham crusade in Charlotte. I went down because I was a little bit unsure. And I received a booklet. And in that little red booklet, many of you probably remember those, they had all these questions about salvation, including your assurance. And they went through step by step by step, going over the idea of assurance of the believer. And then also went to a youth meeting in which they shared the verse, 1 John 5, 13, that you can know and be assured that you have eternal life. And after that time, I never again doubted my salvation. It would be a terrible thing if we had to wonder and hope and, and even doubt our salvation. Uh, some people believe they're saved till they sin again. And I feel sorry for those people. It would be a terrible thing to live in such a precarious situation that Jesus might come just when we're sinning and we would be lost. How, and if you think about it on the basis of it, it's ridiculous. They say, well, only your past sin was paid for. I beg to differ. When all of our sins were paid on the cross, they were all past. Jesus died 2,000 years ago. Excuse me, all of our sins were in the future. So when, he, when we accept Christ, all of our sin, past, present, future, for our life, are transferred to the cross. That's why he said, on the cross, it is finished. And there's nothing you or I can add to the cross. Amen? We can't add to the cross of Christ. And so we are assured of eternal life because what? Our hope and assurance rests in who? In Him, not us. You see, most people get the cart and the horse reversed. 
Jesus is the reason that our salvation is assured. You see, it is He who holds us. He who keeps us. Not we ourselves. I dare say if we had to keep ourselves saved, we wouldn't be saved very long. But thank God, my salvation rests in Jesus. And that's what these verses tell us. He has saved us with His holy calling according to His purpose, not of our works. And then Paul makes this pronouncement, I am persuaded. And it's from the Greek word pithio, patio, convinced, assured, to have great confidence in, trust, absolutely or strongly, assurance. I am persuaded, absolutely sure, Paul says, that he, Jesus, is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. We can sum that up in the word assurance. It means to be convinced of something so much that we rely upon it, we depend upon it. We're counting on it even with our lives. And Jesus Christ, listen to me, has given us great, great assurance. And you say, well, how, Pastor, can I be absolutely sure of that? We're going to cover that this morning. And by the way, we have assurance. Not only are we rejoicing that our names are written in heaven, I talked about that, but we're rejoicing we have great assurance. We have confidence. Our confidence, is our confidence in the stock market? No. Is our confidence in the World Health Organization? I hope not. Is our confidence in the government? No. Our confidence is in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That's our confidence. And Paul said, I'm persuaded. He was absolute. He said, I've committed it to him against the day, until the day, uh, and I know that, that I believed in him, and he will keep me in his hand. Well, how do you know? Well, you know, it's a simple question. It's a simple question for all believers. All you have to ask yourself is this one question as we begin this morning. Did the sun come up? And you're going to say, well, yes. Even if you woke up on a cloudy day, there was some sunlight. So you know the sun came up. And tonight, the moon will come up if there's a clear sky. And it's not totally obscured by clouds. You know the sun is still there. The moon is still there. Well, what does the scripture say? Hebrews 1.3. It says, Who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Upholding all things by the word of his power. What is he upholding? Is he upholding the world, the universe? Yes. Listen, I don't care what science says. The reason the sun, we go around the sun, and the moon comes up at night, is because the greatest power of the universe, God himself, and Jesus specifically, is upholding all things by the word of his power. 
Now that means atoms that should repel themselves hold together and stick together, and scientists say we have no explanation. Everything in the universe, according to science, says we should just fly apart into pieces. But all atoms that should repel hold together in a thing they call glue. Unseen glue, they call it. Well, I know what it is. It's called Jesus. Because Colossians says, by him all things, listen to me, consist. And we get the word sustain from that word, sustano. We get the word sustain. All things are sustained in the universe. All things continue to exist because of the power of Jesus Christ. So, folks, if you're confident in your salvation and you saw the sun come up today, then you know that your salvation is sure. You know that Jesus is real. You know that God is on the throne. And you know that you can trust Him. A dark day is coming to the earth before Jesus returns, saying the sun will not shine and the moon give forth its light. And then comes Jesus, the greatest light in the universe. But until then, Paul says, I know whom I have believed in. He is confident that which Jesus has promised he will give to us. Oh, my. Jesus is called many things in the New Testament, and I just want to mention three this morning. In Hebrews 6, 19, he says, Which hope we have is an anchor of the soul. And this anchor is both steadfast, it's as steadfast and sure. We have... This anchor of the soul. What does an anchor do? Well, it keeps the ship from moving in the water. The water's moving. The water's tossing around. But a ship with an anchor stays put. And folks, we may be in some choppy waters right now. We might be in a storm. But we have what? An anchor of the soul. Amen? An anchor. Not only that, it says, he, uh, Ephesians 2.14, He is our peace. Folks, He is our peace. We have peace in Him, from Him. John 14, John 16, He is our peace. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let, your heart, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He is our peace. And in the illustration Jesus gives of the believer in Matthew 7, there were two houses built. One was built on a rock. We're on the steadfast rock. And what happened? The storms came, and it might have been a little old shack. Not a brick house, but a little old poorly built shack. But if it was built on the rock, it endured. Amen? Amen. Build your house on the rock. Build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. Build your life around and on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then when those days come, when the storms come, when... Anything comes. You have the anchor. You have the peace. You have the rock. I'd like us now to turn to 1 John 
we have great assurances. Great assurances. And by the way, if you ever want assurance, go to the book of 1 John and read the whole book. I, I don't know how many times it says there we know or we have confidence, but it's uh, probably 20 plus times. And that short little book, it says we know. And it's what John is giving is assurance. If I had to say there's one book in the Bible that you could put the title Assurance on, it would be 1 John. Matter of fact, that's where we get 1 John 5.13. What we know, we have eternal life. If we believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. We know we have eternal life. Isn't that wonderful? I'm glad he put that verse in there. And I'm glad that 1 John is in the Bible. It is the book of assurance. And we have great assurance. Look, if you will, first of all, in 1 John 4, 9, because in I want us to have confidence in this one thing, that God loves us. God loves you. And if you really believe that, that helps you in so many capacities. Because perfect love casts out fear. If you know God loves you, then it takes away fear. It takes away worry. It takes away fretting. If we know God loves us. Verse 9, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and has sent His Son to be the satisfactory payment or propitiation for our sins. The holiness of God was satisfied by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And this is the way we know God's love. Verse 8, for God is love. He cares for us. He loves us. He sent His Son to die for us. And this is a great confidence assurance, and comfort to us no matter what. And so in talking about assurance today, I want to assure you one thing we can always rely on. Good days, bad days, holy days, sinful days, whatever day you're having, God still loves you, still cares about you. That means something. Because others may not always feel that way. Others, human love sometimes has an ebb and flow. Human love might be there today and gone tomorrow. We might even be rejected by those we love. And by the way, he understands that. Jesus was rejected by those who loved him. He experienced rejection. His love is steady and every day the same. So my friend, today as we talk about assurance, I want you to know if you're, saved, if you're saved by the grace of Almighty God, you're kept by the hand of God, the power of God. And we are kept by the power of God, according to Peter. We are also loved by that same God. And if God loves us, if you truly love somebody, you're going to do what is in their best interest. If you truly love people, you will do what is in their best interest. So God is going to do things on your behalf for you, for your betterment. 
Now, sometimes that might be a spanking. God chastens us, according to Hebrews. And that might be a spanking sometimes. You spank your child to keep them out of the road, don't you, so they don't get ran over. So that's an important thing. Well, I don't know. Do we spank anymore? I don't know if people spank their children. I spanked mine. They all turned out pretty good. So, uh, you know, and I was spanked. Uh, I don't know if they use that kind of physical punishment. But I, but I also believe in spanking. You always spank the ch- child in the place that God meant for them to be spanked in. Okay? Uh, the, the God made a place for that. And that's, you know, where that's at, the posterior. But uh, discipline. And you discipline your child in some way. And God has to discipline us sometimes. But even in those days, when God is disciplining us, He still loves us. And I've always told the story of my grandmother. The day that we connected was the day that she spanked me with a switch. Now, back in the old days, our legs got switched. Ooh, that was back in the mean old days, right? And my ma, my grandma was switching me because I'd went down and swam in the cow pond, which was very dirty and nasty, and I could catch who knows what. And she knew I had because I was wet, and she switched me, and I looked up, and she was crying. And I grabbed her legs and hugged her and said, Grandma, I love you. She took me up in her arms. I'm trying to hold the tears back. And held me in her arms and said, I love you too. Look, she was being like God. She was disciplining me to help me. And it was hurting her more than it was hurting me. God cares for us. Listen to me. God loves us more than even my grandma loved me. Okay? Do you understand how much God loves you? I hope so. Okay, we know we're saved. God has given us the down payment according to Ephesians of the Holy Spirit. We know we're born again. 1 John 5.13 These things I have, written, have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. That name is Jesus Christ. Jehovah God, Messiah, Savior, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And there's that word confidence, assurance. We know we have eternal life. We are born again. We can't be unborn. We love the brethren. It tells us here. So we know that He dwells in us on and on. Eternal life is eternal life, not life till we sin again. God gave us eternal life. It begins at the moment we believe, and it culminates in eternity with Christ. So in other words, your day of starting heaven was the day you believed in Christ. Now, the Bible tells us several things in the book of John. Jesus himself, he says, not any can pluck you out of his hand. Now, it uses the word not any. Now, I know it says man there, but that's italicized. That was added. Not any. Now, who who would be not any? Well, let's kind of go with the gospel thing of Galatians 1. An angel from heaven 
Can an angel of heaven pluck you out of Jesus' hand? No. Can a demon of hell pluck you out of the hand of Jesus? No. Can Satan himself pluck you out of the hand of Jesus? No. Can you take yourself out of the hand of Jesus? No. No, not any can pluck you out of the hand of Jesus. You will not perish. No one, not any, is able to pluck you out of his hand. And then he says in John 6, 39, Of all that the Father has given me, all the believers, he would lose nothing. So he's not going to lose any. And that gives us great assurance. We are assured of our salvation. Amen. I'm glad we were. Glad we are. And God has given to us exceeding great and precious promises. And God gives us all kinds of assurances here in this book. And I want us to look at 1 John this morning at some of the things that God has given to us to assure us. Let's look at the epistle. Why? Why would we look at Because it says so many times no or confidence or something like It's an amazing little book, as I said, of confidence. If you ever doubt, just read it. Well, it tells us the first thing we, we, in chapter 3 is that love overcomes everything. Love overcomes all. Love even casts out fear. Can you imagine that? There's that word. Love casts out fear. So he loves us, that casts out fear, but love him back and more fear is cast out. A mature love in the Lord will cast out fear. Because if you love the Lord and the Lord loves you, there's not much going to come between you, let me tell you. Nothing will come between you. But love overcomes everything. Love overcomes evil. Love overcomes bad. And it tells us that love overcomes. And I want you to understand that. You can be assured of that. Look in 1 John chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. And here's, here's something for the believer today. And this is something we need to understand. <clears throat> We're not trying to overcome the world. Do you hear me? We're not trying to overcome the world. You say, well, I feel like I am. We, we feel like that. But we have already overcome the world. That's what the scriptures say. Chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. I write it to you, fathers, because you have known that is from the beginning. I write it to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. Wow. We have overcome the wicked one. I write it to you, little children, because you have known the Father. He repeats it again in verse 14. I've written it to you, fathers, because you have known him from the beginning. I've written it to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Who may love the world? The love of the Father is not in him. The world passes away, but we have overcome the world. It says. We've overcome the wicked one. We've overcome the world. We've already overcome. 
We are overcomers. The moment you believed in Jesus Christ, you have overcome. So if the darkness and the power of Satan cannot overwhelm you, there's nothing in the world that can. The world's going to pass away. But we have overcome. I want you to look at yourself today and say, through faith in Christ, through faith in Him, I am an overcomer. And then look at First John chapter 5, verse 4. Chapter 5, verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So we've overcome the wicked one. We've overcome the world. And folks, we have achieved victory through our faith. And we know these things. This is included with the things we know. Verse 2 of chapter 5. But this, we know the love of the children of God. We know. Victory's achieved. We've overcome the world. We've overcome the wicked one. And we are victorious. And as overcomers and victorious people, listen, don't lower your head. Keep your chin up. You're in victory. If you've believed in Christ, and you always will be, heaven again started for you the day you believe. Now, I know there's going, to be, there's going to be some stumps and stumbles and stub your toe between here and heaven, but you're headed to heaven. You know the final destination. There'll be some bumps along the way. There'll be some, Satan will try to throw the kitchen sink at you, but that's okay. We're expecting it. And look at this. Who would have thought we'd been sitting here in 2020 not being able to have church? But here we are. He's thrown a stumbling block in our way. But folks, through Christ, through faith, we will not stumble. Amen? Be victorious, church. Be triumphant. Be the overcomers. You already are in Christ. And we need to know that. I like the fact that the whole book of 1 John is a narrative of, of confidence. It begins this way in verses 1 and 2. Uh, John says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, seen with our eyes, looked upon, our, our, our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, we have seen it. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father was manifested unto us. And of course that was by the Son, Jesus, appearing with them. We have seen the Father. We have seen eternal life. We have touched the word of life. We know this is true. We have that confidence. And then other things it says here that we have assurance of. Chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, we know if we keep His commandments, and I think this is talking about the commandment of love here, that we are His children. Chapter 3, verse 2, we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. We know that He was manifested. Jesus came to take our sins away. 
We know we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. Don't you love each other? And because of that, we know we love the, we, we have passed from death into life. There you go again. When did you receive heaven? When did you receive eternal life? The moment you believed. It says in the Bible, if you believe in him, you have. That means to possess right now everlasting eternal life. And so this tells us, listen, this is why I say there is no death for Christians. Why? Because we have already passed from death into life. For people who have already passed through death, there can't be death. There's no such thing for the believer. There's simply change of venue, a simply change of place. But there's no death. Oh, death, where is thy single grave? Where is thy victory, Paul said? We know the truth, chapter 3, verse 19, and, assure, uh, and shall assure our hearts. Before him. Amen. Assured. Hereby we know that we dwell in him because he's given us his spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. We know, chapter 5, verse 2, that we are the children of God. We know or have confidence, chapter 5, 14, I've already read it, that he hears our prayers. 5.19, we know we are of God. 5.20, we know that Jesus has come and we are. In Him. I hope that my sermon today has given you some extra confidence, some extra assurance, and to understand where we are in Jesus Christ. We are not in defeat. We are not in retreat. We are in victory. We have overcome. And we are assured. Because God's Word says so. I know in whom I have believed. And I'm sure, I'm persuaded beyond a shadow of a doubt. He's going to keep me. And I hope you are. And if you're listening and you, have, you don't have that confidence, you can have that confidence Simply by what the scriptures say, believing on his name. That means to believe who he is. Jesus is incarnate, deity, the Lord. And to believe what he has done. He is Jesus Christ, Christ Messiah, the anointed one who would pay for sin. If you believe that Jesus was divine, that he came here to earth, that he died for your sins, and you accept him as Lord and Savior, he says, I will save you. I will bring you in, give you the Holy Spirit, make you one of my children if you simply call on him. He will take away your sin and forgive you. 
You might pray a simple prayer like, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. And I'm trusting you to be my Savior. I accept you as Lord. And he will come into your life today. If you're praying that prayer, and I hope you are, God says of the authority of Romans 10, 9, and 10, on the authority of other scripture, John 3, 16, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, that you're saved. You're not saved by your works. You can't work your way to heaven. It has to be of grace because no one could work enough. No matter how good you are, you're still a sinner. And you still need Christ. Without Him, there is no salvation. And with Him, there is nothing but salvation. Trust Him as your personal Savior. And I'm going to pray for our congregation this morning too as we close that we will have confidence and assurance in Jesus Christ. Lord, give us renewed faith. Strengthen our hearts today in the midst of whatever trial we are facing, in the midst of whatever thing is going on in our life, Lord, help us. Be with us and bless us. Lord, we give thanks today. And Lord, we ask your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.